May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We tell stories to remember. This past week, our oldest granddaughter, 15-year-old Addison, was here with a younger friend. Do you realize how early you have to start driving when they have a 645 flight out of Austin on a Friday morning? What you do for those you love. We tell stories to remember. And I told stories to Addison, who seemed usually interested, and to Lydia, who, well, didn't really often know who I was talking about. I told stories to Addison about her mother and her mother's three siblings, stories about Canada and Brazil and Africa and Route 66, stories about her grandmother and me, stories about our parents, her great-grandparents. We tell stories to remember. We remember when we retell something that happened last year or last century. And we want the listener to remember. I want my stories to be Addison's stories. And I hope that, if God grants it, that she will tell stories that I've told her to my great-grandchildren. On this Holy Trinity Sunday, we hear the very first story. It's not just the first one in Holy Scripture. It's the first one that ever happened. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts to ponder Genesis chapter 1 and to hear and remember God's story of creation and his work of a new creation. People God dearly loves. God is because God was longer away, farther back than we can begin to imagine. Always, forever, eternally. But the first words of God's inspired word are in the beginning. Not God's beginning. He had no beginning. Father and Son and Holy Spirit have always existed as we confessed minutes ago. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. In the beginning is the beginning of history because it is the beginning of his story of the true God's true story. And the God who is, who was, and always will be, This God, this only God, he acts from the vast nothingness, the Hebrew calls it the tohu wabohu, out of and into shapeless darkness, God acts. For the God who is, this God, the only God, speaks. And when he speaks, things happen. They happen because God's word is a performative word, what it says it does. Last week, I counted and then recounted and recounted and recounted again the verbs in Genesis 1. Now, to be more precise, I counted the verbs that have God as their subject. Because when you read the Bible, and this is always important, no matter what portion you are reading, you must pay attention to this question. Who is doing what is being done? That's critical from this first chapter of Scripture 
to the final chapter of Revelation. Who is the subject? Well, today, the subject is God. So what is God doing? There are 23, I think, verbs in the first chapter of Genesis which have God as their subject. And these verbs appear anywhere from one time, five or so, to two times, three of them, to four or six or seven or ten or even 14 times. The total is 71. Now, I might be wrong because I've only counted them three times. And I may have miscounted by one or two. So you're more than welcome to reread and to recount after my sermon this afternoon or this evening. Here they all are in order and from least to most used. Hovering, set, make, fill, subdue, bring forth, have, finish, rested, separated, blessed, given, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, had done, made, called, created, saw, said, and let there be. Are the verbs that occur the most often the most important ones? I think they are. They drive this wonderful story. They hold together this amazing account. So here are the six most frequent verbs or verbal phrases. Made is four times, as in, God made the two great lights. Called is five times, as in, God called the light day. Created is six times, as in, so God created man in his own image. Saw is seven times, as in, and God saw that it was good. Said is ten times, as in, God said, let there be light, which leads us into that phrase 14 times, let there be. The work of God, by the word of God, begins the scriptures. It begins the salvation story because that's what all of scripture is. The work of God by the word of God is also the work of redemption. There is completed creation when God saw everything that he had made and it was very good. But there is, there must be the work of a new creation. Today's second reading is another portion of Acts chapter 2. It is more of the Apostle Peter's Pentecost proclamation more than we heard last Sunday on that festival. All 12 of the apostles were preachers in Jerusalem on that important day. But Peter alone preaches to all that huge and attentive crowd Pilgrims from Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, and more. Peter proclaims Jesus, who was betrayed and delivered and crucified according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God the Father. But raised up, not held by the pangs of death, For the flesh of Christ could not and did not see corruption. This Jesus accomplished. Remember, the subject of the verb is always the key. And because of this, he is made Lord and Christ. 
Lord, the one who bears Yahweh's divine name, Christ as the one chosen and anointed to carry out the mission. So how does Acts 2, Peter's sermon, connect with Genesis 1 in this significant way? In verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. He did so. But God didn't speak Adam and Eve into existence. Let there be a human male. Let there be a human female. Genesis 2 gives us the details. God shaped them from the dust of the ground. First the man, the Ish, and from him the woman, the Isha. And both both bore God's image. They were holy because they were created by the holy God. And they were eternal because they were formed and breathed into by the eternal God. They were without sin. They were not going to die until Genesis 3, until serpent Satan, until his lies, until the fruit that was a delight to the eyes, until the picking and the tasting, until our parents' eyes were opened to see their nakedness, until they attempted to cover their shame, until they ran away from God, until they tried to hide, until God's promise, until the eternal God's eternal plan to rescue and redeem and restore, until Jesus' suffering at Golgotha, until the serpent's head is crushed when our Savior dies, until the grave is empty, until death is defeated, until the living Lord says, peace be with you. Now, the image of God is restored. For the Father announces to us through his Son, by the Holy Spirit's powerful breath, behold, you are very good, for you are my new creation. The work is done. Redemption is finished. You can rest. You can rest in my strong mercy and perfect grace. And we tell this story. We tell this story so that it can, it can be remembered. This proclamation happens as the children of God speak his powerful and saving name, the triune name that does what it says when it is joined to simple water, the name that calls us new disciples as those who observe all that our Lord has commanded and who trust his promise to be with us to the end of the age, the name that makes the church to be faithful and fruitful and to multiply in every place at every time when the good news is preached until until we live eternally in the new heavens and the new earth, the home of righteousness. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.